Thank you, JD. You may sit down. Thank you. Thank you, church. Um, I'm excited to, to just be with you today. I didn't want to leave before having the opportunity to, to be with you here. And um, thank you also for your hospitality, for your love that you've shown me, my family. I want to, this, this morning, the title of the message that, that I'm excited to share with you is why missions? Why missions? Um, and be, before we go into our message, I'd like to define what is missions. And, you know, mission, according to Webster's Dictionary, is a task or job that someone has been given to do. Now, a missionary is a person who is sent to a foreign country to do religious work. So for our purpose sake, as we define what missions, what, what missions is, it is uh, a person who has been given a task to go to a different country to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what missions is. And so the question is, why missions? Why must we go to other countries and share the gospel to, the, to all nations? Well, you, we, 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 we might find excuses. We might find reasons not to. For example, we might say, oh, we have enough problems here in the U.S. as it is. And it's true. We have enough problems in Bolivia as it is. Why should we go to a different place to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ? We should uh, focus on our problems here first, right? We could also say, well, let other countries do it. The United States is not right now in a condition to do that. Let uh, South Korea do it, you know. Uh, from what I hear, South Korea is, is just sending out missionaries, and they're faithful in doing so. How about we could say, oh, let other churches do it, you know. A gateway, we have other priorities. So we can put reasons not, why not to go to missions. So my, my, my aim today, this morning, is to be able to show you from God's Word why what is the reason? What, first of all, what is the condition of the mission field? Second, what is the motivation for us to do missions? And third, who is the person behind, uh, behind the commission or of the sending forth? So as J.D. was reading, as you were re you're seeing up there on the screen, first we're going to look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to 38, which you already read. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to 38. So in response to the question of why missions, I think first we have to look at the condition of the mission field. In this case, the, the, the Word of God shows us that Jesus describes the, the people as two different things. He compares them to two different things. He says they are a harvest and they are like sheep. So what is the condition of the mission field? And I hope that as we see the condition of the harvest, we're able to see a need. And then we're going to go on from there. First of all, it says that when Jesus came through all the cities and villages, he saw, he says, verse 36, he saw the crowds or the multitudes. He saw the crowds and the multitudes, it says, that they were like sheep without a shepherd, that they were harassed. And helpless. And there's one thing that he points out, and I think that we need we we will see the reality of it. And he says, there are 
there aren't enough laborers to go to the field. There are not enough laborers to harvest the fruit. In this case, uh, the, the image of the fruit that we have here is, is grain. And he says, pray, I pray, I says earnestly, he says, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Because why? Because the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful and the labors are few. You know, as I was coming here to, 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 to California, it was my first time here. You know, somebody said, what do you think of California? I was like, I, I love it. Before I came to California, I was eating Chinese and, you know, those fortune cookies thing when said, this coming month will bring you much happiness. And it has. I already gained a couple of pounds extra. And, and God's been just so good with me here in California. I love it. But as I was coming here on the plane, I remember going, just looking down and seeing, wow, the U.S. is so big. It's huge. I can't imagine a country that big. And as I was going up over the cities and seeing the, the tiny cars and the tiny houses, I thought, all those people, millions and millions of people living their lives each day, each with their own individual uh, goals, desires, activities, jobs, millions of them. And I believe this is what Jesus saw when he said he, so he went to all the cities and villages and he says he was, he was preaching and teaching and healing every sickness, every disease. And he looked upon the crowd and, he, and he's looked upon them with what? With compassion. See, the first characteristic of the harvest that we realize is that it's plenteous. It's plentiful. There's so many you, you, you can't count. And because there's so many, there's a need for laborers. There's a need for people that are sent out to gather the harvest. But not only does it say that the, the, the condition of the harvest, that it's plentiful, it's plenteous, but we also find another very, very just, just shocking condition of this harvest in that this, what the Bible describes here is this, this harvest, this fruit is perishing. It's perishing. The Bible here says that they are harassed and that they are helpless. What does it mean? You know, in, in, in the Spanish Bible, this harassed is, is translated desamparado, which means without refuge. And in the original language, this word harass is translated, what it means is it means to grow faint, to lose strength, to grow weak. The Bible says here that the... Uh, he saw the crowds and he had compassion for them because they were harassed and they were helpless. This word helpless is, means to go astray or to lose one's direction. These are two very just important things that we have to keep in mind. The harvest is perishing because they are without refuge and they are without direction you know I, I was uh, some of you most of you I think have met my parents and just want to let you know they're in, they were in South Carolina they're flying back to Bolivia tomorrow and as some of you know the hurricane Matthew came through Florida went up 
and it's already killed hundreds of people in Haiti. Now imagine with me these people in Haiti, these people that, that their refuge is in these little, uh, you know, weak shanty houses. What the fears were in their mind, what the fears were as they saw and beheld the destruction that was around them. I saw a video, my parents sent me a video of a tree that was uprooted in front of your, their house. The roots and everything and fell over. They had never seen anything like it. And of course they were scared. But imagine a people that are without refuge. There's nowhere to hide, nowhere to, 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 to be safe. Because this destruction that is coming is so big, it's so powerful, nothing will survive it. Now, fortunately, my parents, when, this, when they heard about this storm coming in, you know, they heard, oh, there's a school nearby, it has a refuge, and the Red Cross is there. At least they had direction. They knew where to go. But the Bible says that the, the crowds that Jesus saw were without refuge and without direction. Imagine somebody without refuge, without uh, a place to hide, without a place to feel safe, and not knowing where to go. This is the condition of the harvest. They're perishing. You know, back home we have a, a, a park. It's called Parque de los Mangales. How many of you like mangoes? Oh, I love mangoes. And that's what mangales means. Mangales means a park of, with trees filled with mangoes. And sometimes there's so many trees that it's impossible to harvest them all. You know, we go out with sticks and with, with stones and you just try to hit one and, and gather as many as you can. But there's so many of them that if you decide to go running underneath the trees, you risk during the, the harvest time for one to fall on your head. And those hurt. Let me tell you, they hurt. But what, what is the reality about this fruit? This fruit is not going to be there forever. The fruit will perish. And just as a, as a mango, mango fruit will perish, just as, as the grain will, will go past its prime and the harvest, if we don't go, they're going to die. So there are people that are perishing, people that are without refuge, without direction, who are perishing. The Bible says, that these points out that there is a, a, a plentiful crowd, but there's also a perishing crowd. And not only is it perishing, but also it's precious. It's precious. We see here, and I just want to point out, you know, it says that Jesus, when he went throughout all the cities, he said he went throughout all the cities and villages, preaching and teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease. All the cities and every disease. You know, Jesus saw the need. And he was so moved with compassion. This word compassion is, is means back then, you know, they believed that love and pity came out from, it, from the bowels. And so this, this, this word means literally move from within the bowels. From within all of your deep uh, uh, inner being. And Jesus was moved with compassion and he went throughout all the cities. It didn't say some. It didn't say he picked out which ones to go to. He said he went through all the cities and villages and, held, and healed every disease and affliction. You know what that tells me about Jesus? It tells me that he put 
the people's needs before his own. You got to remember that Jesus got exhausted. He got tired. He got hungry. But he moved those out of the way. He moved. He, he decided to put those, his needs, uh, and put the people's needs before his own. You know, that's the kind of Savior that we have. That's the kind of Savior that you have. The Bible says here that they're precious, and he shows us, it shows us uh, that they mean, they are precious to the Lord. But not only are they precious to the Lord because he went, he put their needs above his own because he had compassion. But look at what it says about the harvest. It says, pray ye therefore, says the Lord of the harvest, that he sends forth labors into his harvest. You know, that tells us that he is the one that oversees it. He is the one that is in control. And he's the one that produces the fruit. I want us to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 through 7. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 through 7. You know, this, is, this should help us just to, to rest in God, because listen what 1 Corinthians 3, 6 and 7 says. It says, I planted, Apollos watered, but who gives the increase? Who gives the growth? God. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who giveth, who giveth uh, the growth. They're precious because it is his harvest. And you know, that does something to us because we, we are a society that, that wants to see fruit, right? We want to see uh, a fruit from our labors, fruit from our work. And oftentimes we might get discouraged and say, think that all our preaching, all our teaching, all our investing in, in discipleship and evangelism uh, might go to not because we don't see, we, we see people fall away and we see people, we, don't, we can't tell what they're thinking, we can't tell what's going on in their heart. And that's discouraging and it's frustrating. But dear church, let us remember, it's not our work. It's not my work. This church is not pastor's church. This body of believers belongs to the Lord. It's His harvest. And God is the one who's going to make, produce the growth. All He requires of us is to be faithful in the proclaiming of it. And when that happens, there's a huge burden lifted off of our shoulders and we are free to serve the Lord because we know that it, everything is in His hands. The Bible says that it is, it is His harvest. He oversees it. He controls it. He produces the fruit. And the reality that we must understand is that Christ's compassion, from these verses, Christ's compassion must become our compassion. His deep, inner, longing, yearning for the multitudes must be ours. And we must also understand that it is His work. It's not ours. And we are just laborers in His field. So as laborers, what are we getting? You know, nobody wants to work for free, right? We all expect something from, 
from our employer. And as laborers in, in, in the harvest, my question is, what do we get from it? What kind of blessing comes from serving the Lord? What kind of blessing comes from, as we're reading in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 and 20, it says that Jesus, when, when, when God says the Great Commission, He says, Go therefore and teach all nations. Okay, Lord, that's what I want to do. But what's in it for me? You know, this, do, don't we like to be blessed? We like to be blessed, right? Who here does not want to be blessed? Nobody's going to raise a hand. You know, how do, we, how do we get blessed? We get blessed when God chooses to bless us, when God blesses, blesses us through his grace. We're blessed with, first of all, the greatest gift. I hope that if you're here this morning, you're a believer in Jesus Christ. It's salvation. But we also receive blessing through resources. We receive blessing through wisdom and how to, how, how to raise our family, how to guide our kids. We receive blessing in, in the power of, of God manifested through the Holy Spirit working in us as we endeavor to live our lives pleasing to Him. So there's many ways that we, we, we're blessed. And so when we ask God for blessing, we ask God for these things, right? God, protect me. God, keep us safe. Keep my family safe. I would like for us to look at Psalms chapter 67, verse 1 through 7. And, and here we will look at the motive for missions. What is the driving force between us doing missions? Psalm 67, verse 1 through 7. See, we looked at three things already in the past uh, passage. We saw that the harvest is, is, is plentiful. It's plenteous. We saw that the harvest is also perishable because people are without refuge and without direction in this world. And they need someone that will show them the way. When they need someone that will bring to them salvation from this destruction from death. And we see also that the harvest is precious to the Lord. So what is the motivation? What should motivate us as laborers to do missions? Listen to what the Bible says in Psalm 67, verse 1 through 7. It says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. You know, it says, May God be gracious. You know, that's, that's merit undeserved or favor undeserved. We don't deserve what God has done for us. We don't deserve everything that has, has been given to us. You know, the Bible says that all good things come from the Father. Every good and perfect gift. So we don't deserve, we understand that, that the blessings that we have, including our salvation, are things that we do not deserve. We don't even deserve a second chance. And the Bible says here that uh, we, we as people ask, you know, God be gracious to us because we understand that we don't deserve what has been given to us. And it says, God be gracious to us, bless us, and make your face shine upon us. This was a very just 
customary for the, for the Jewish people, Israelites, to, to use. You know, may, may, may God make his face shine upon us. These are three uh, similar things that mean, just, just mean, may God bless us. May God find favor us and be kind to us and, and be gracious to us. Isn't that what we want? Isn't that what you want? I want that, right? We want to be blessed. But listen to the reason for why the people, God's people ask for God's blessing. It says, may God be gracious. May he bless us. May he make his face to shine upon us. For what purpose? That your way may be known on earth. Your saving power among all nations. Think back at, at, at Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, 38. What were those people needing? Those people that were harassed and helpless. What did they need? They needed a place to feel safe. They needed a place where there was refuge, where there was salvation. And they needed direction because they were lost, like sheep without a shepherd. And what does the Bible offer? What does the Bible tell us is the solution for this need? It says the need is for people to proclaim to all nations that the way, the salvation is in Jesus Christ. It says that may people may know that your way may be known on earth. There's direction. There's a way to be safe. That your salvation may be known your saving power among all nations. See, what people need, what people desire is found when they find God. That your saving power may be known among all nations. His way. What is his way? If we can look at Psalms 18 verse 30. Psalms 18 verse 30, it says about his way. This God, his way is perfect. His way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. This, is, this was Jesus' desire. When he saw these people, he was moved with compassion because he saw them that they were harassed and helpless and and, and without direction, like sheep without a shepherd, this is what he wanted them to know. He wanted them to know that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. John 14, 6. My question to you this morning is, do you know Jesus Christ this way? Is he the one that has given you direction? Is he the one that has given you salvation? Now, the Bible says that his way is proclaimed to us through his word. It says his statutes, his precepts are in this book. And if you decide to submit your life to God and say, God, live through me and I surrender myself to you. As if, if there's someone here that doesn't believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior, hasn't accepted him. And I pray that your desire, that your, after, after hearing God's word, you just say, Lord, I repent of my sins. I'm sorry for what I have caused. Please forgive me 
and accept me into your family. The Bible says here that the motive for missions, the reason why we, we, we ask blessing from God is to be able to proclaim to the nations his way and his salvation. Because the truth is, Jesus Christ is the answer to the needs of the multitude. He provides direction. He provides refuge. With what result? The result of verse 3, it says, after we read that his, his, the desire of the peoples is that his way may be known among the earth and his saving power among all nations, it says, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. And it repeats again in verse 5. It says, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. You see, the motive for missions is nothing but the glory and praise of God. As creatures and as God as a creator, he is most, uh, we are most satisfied in him when we accomplish and we submit to his will. Verse 3 and 5 declare the praise that is uh, given to God. And verse 4 talks about the, not just what God gets from it, but what we get from it. You know, we often think, or we can think is, well, isn't that kind of selfish from, from God? You know, he's, he, he's blessing us. Um, he is pouring on us strength, uh, resources, wisdom, just for the purpose of all nations coming to, to a knowledge of him, to know God, to know his way, to know his salvation. Is that, isn't that kind of selfish? But you must think, at not, not just looking at these verses, but also look at verse 4 where it says, the benefit or the fruit that is also bestowed upon us as we accomplish this, it says, let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. You see, there's gladness. There's singing and there's joy in the people because they, because they have found justice. They have found justice and they have found direction. It says, because you guide the nations upon earth. See, this, this, this thing keeps coming up. There's, there's a condition of the harvest where these people are, are lost, don't know their way, they don't have a place to, to go to, to for refuge, for safety. And this, this theme keeps coming up, and it says, you know, you have the way. It's your way. It's your salvation. It's, it's your, your justice. And it's your guidance upon these nations. And it's... Just wonderful to see how this verse ends. Look at verse, uh, the final verses of this Psalms. It says, The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. You know, I started out with, May God be gracious to us. May God bless us. May he make his face shine upon us. But it ends with a restful assurance 
a confidence. And it says, it's not just a, a confidence in something that is uh, distant, but it's a confidence in something that is personal, that is yours. It says, God, our God, shall bless us. It says, the earth has yielded its increase. It says, God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. You see, church, what should motivate us to go to a distant country, to go to a, a different land where they speak a different language, have a different culture, what should motivate us to, to gather our efforts and come together to, to do this great endeavor is not for the glory that can come to Gateway. It's not for how many uh, people we can put on a board and say, look at what we have done. It's not for the glory of the pastor. It's not for the glory of us. But the reason why in the, what motivates us to do this great task, this great mission that God has set before us is because as we do so, we are bringing glory to God when all nations from every tongue come to the way, come to the salvation and end up praising God, end up bringing glory to God for what He has done, for His compassion, for His his accomplishment in, in this world, in our lives, in my life, in your life, if you have come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's His glory. And you see, that, that just lifts off a huge burden from us. Because when we bring, bring glory to ourselves, when we uh, pat ourselves on the back, you know, it's easy for us to lose our way. And it's easy for us to get discouraged and lose strength because we know that we are incapable, that we don't have strength in ourselves. And when our strength fails, when our wisdom fails, you know, we lose our way. But when He is the focus of our efforts, when He is the motivation for our, for our efforts, then what happens to us? There's gladness. There's singing. There's joy. Because justice has been served on earth. And his way has been known. And people find refuge in him. You find refuge in him. And I want us to think, not looking at this as other people, but think of it and personalize it to yourself. You see, we think about these people in different countries who are, who are without refuge, without direction. But let us realize, dear church, that this is us. We were without refuge. We had lost our way. And this verse talks about our condition before Christ. Think about your life before Christ. Think about who you were before Jesus Christ. Did you know your way? You looked, see, we looked at things that were false places of refuge. We looked at our money. We looked at what we had. We looked at our family. We looked at our possessions. We looked at our relationships. We looked at all these things thinking that this is where my refuge is. Here I have peace. Here I'm content. 
But we didn't realize that there was a huge storm coming in. And it was going to take us all away. And that was death. That was the separation from God. We didn't have refuge. It was a false sense of security. And we, didn't, we had lost our way. But if to this morning, you know God through Jesus Christ, then you have refuge in him. You have direction. You have found peace. You have found a restful assurance in what God has done in your life because of his grace. Not because of anything that you have done or that you deserve, just purely because of his grace. And so let that motivate you to say, Lord, because of your mercies, I present myself to you. And as I present myself to you, I want to have your compassion. And I want to have your motivation, which is to bring glory to you as I proclaim your way and your salvation to the nations. Is that your desire? Is that your heart this morning that says, Lord, how can I be, how can I be used in this great task? You see, we all have different abilities. Some of you, um, you maybe are unable to go to a different country. But the Bible doesn't say, let's, and let's look at, at what Matthew 9, uh, 38 said. You know, it doesn't say that everybody's going to go. But it says some are left behind to pray. Some are left behind to support that endeavor. And maybe you're really good with computers. Maybe you're really good with, with your hands. And maybe you're good with planning. But as God has given you the ability, these are things that you can do to send forth someone from Gateway. To send forth someone to these places that are in such need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our motivation for missions is the praise and glory of God as nations are gathered together under his name. You must have the right motivation for missions. We must have the right mindset for missions because not only will, will, will we be glad and there will be joy, but the Bible says that God will pour his blessings upon gateway when we ask with the right heart, with the right mindset. Not, and I don't want you to think about just the church, but think of your own life. Think about your own family. This is not a, a prayer that is outside of the family. This includes the family. The Bible says that as the people of, of, of God are praying and saying, Lord, bless us. Lord, make your face shine upon us. And as their desire is so that the nations might all hear about, the, about his way, about his salvation, and, and be gathered under his name, he says that the God will bless them because that is their desire, that is their heart. So what is our desire? What is our heart? You know, 
As we have seen the condition of the harvest and as we have seen the motive for missions, we must also think about the person behind the commission. Who is this person that is sending us forth? Who is this person that, that desires to receive glory and praise from all nations? And for that, we will look at Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. Here we find the person behind the commission. And listen to what it says. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. There's three things we're going to look at here about the person behind the commission. And first we find his authority. You know, Jesus says, all authority is given me under heaven and earth. But who gave that authority? God the Father. It's God the Father who gave him. He is the grand architect for this. It's his authority given to him, and he has all authority under heaven and earth. You, you know, um, we think of the greatest office here in the world. And a lot of people say, well, the greatest office here in the world is the United States presidency. You know, imagine if the U.S. president sent you on a mission to some foreign land. Would you go? Of course. But see, we, this is not some, some earthly uh, authority that is telling us to go. This is Jesus Christ who has authority over all nations. This is Jesus Christ who has authority under the... Uh, under the, uh, the heavens, which is earth, and also in the heavens. He commands angels. He has given, uh, was given the authority to send us out. It is under his credentials that he sends us forth. And he says, go and teach all nations. Because his authority comes from the Father. Not only we find that it's his authority, but it's also his plan. You know, God the Father as the architect, he has decided from eternity past that he would uh, graciously save us and graciously uh, offer us Jesus Christ on the cross. So where is his plan? Verse 19 it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Now this, this word go therefore and make, um, really what it means is having gone. It's understood that we have already gone. It says, make disciples as you go. That's what it means. You know, um, how do we make disciples? What does it look like 
to fulfill this great mission that God has given us and trusted us. Well, it doesn't mean just evangelize. It means to, to, to preach and teach so that people become disciples of Jesus, that they become followers of him. You know, this demands time. It, demi- it demands uh, investing uh, emotion, your heart. And it's accurate to say that it's hard. It's hard because we know that as we invest time and as we invest our emotions behind uh, just discipling someone, teaching them, and, and, and being, trying our best to, to guide them in the way of, of the Lord, that sometimes things are not going to go the way we want to. And we will get discouraged. And, and, and it's just a matter of, of falling down and getting back up, falling down and getting back up. But as long as we're, as we're patiently ministering, you know, as, as we are reminded again that it's the Lord's harvest, He is the one that giveth growth. You know, we, we, we rest in, in assurance and confidence knowing that it is His work. And all that is required of us is to be faithful. So what does it mean? It means that as we go to all the nation, we don't just give them the gospel, but we disciple them. And this is why it's so important for us to, to in Bolivia to, to realize that uh, what Pastor and, and what Gateway is doing with us is, is means so much more important than just building, building buildings and, and bringing loads of candy to the kids. Because it's the ministry of the Word of God. That's what uh, they, these men come and, and women come and teach us about the Word of God because that is how we are disciples. That's how we, we have the tools to make people disciples of Jesus Christ. Not just, uh, you know, proclaim or profess, uh, make a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. But it is a desire of Jesus Christ that these people become disciples of him that we, we live uh, every day submitted to his will. So we realize that the commission or this great undertasking that God has given us involves two things. It involves, it starts with people coming to know Jesus Christ as a Savior, but it continues throughout the rest of their life. And that's why it's important, dear church, that you are, are conscious of the need for you to grow. Not just say, oh, I'm saved now, and then um, I'm good. You know, I have my, my health insurance already, my, my eternal health insurance, and this is all I need. No. But it must, should be your desire, as well as our desire, to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, to be disciples of him. So we see that it is his authority that sends us forth. It's his Authority, his, it's his, uh, what, what's behind him. You know, the Bible says, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we have the Father who is the grand architect. We have the Son, Jesus Christ, who has uh, given his life freely for us to be able to obtain this, this grace. And we have the Holy Spirit, uh, who is the power to, to live and the power to evangelize as he brings conviction uh, and repentance to the people who are, who are touched, who, who the gospel reaches forth. 
So we see also his enabling. You know, not only does, does God send us forth with his authority, but it's also he gives us the tools to do that. How? Well, as we've mentioned, listen to where it says in the last part of this verse. It says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. You see, oftentimes we might think that uh, as we minister in a foreign land, in a foreign place, where there might be only one person ministering, you know, oftentimes a missionary will feel uh, alone, like he is alone in the work. But oftentimes also there is uh, just a quiet uh, comfort knowing what the Bible says about Jesus Christ's presence with us. He says, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. And not only that, but as we think upon uh, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, as they're behind us in this endeavor, we realize that we are really never alone. We realize also that we uh, are never uh, operating under our own strength, under our own wisdom, but it is God that is working through us. His Holy Spirit, as, a, as I preach the Word of God, it is not me who is convincing. It's the Holy Spirit that's bringing conviction to the hearts of the people that are, that are hearing his word. As I'm going forth, it's, it's not uh, my sending church, Gilead Baptist Church, and Taylor who's sending me. It's God who sent us. It's God who sent me. It's his authority. And as I'm, I'm, I'm preaching and teaching and I'm ministering to people that may have never heard people that don't, don't have a Christian church in their, in their town, I realize that I'm not alone, that Jesus goes with me. And as we understand, first of all, the condition of the harvest, that it is a perishing harvest, as we realize the motivation for doing missions, and it's to bring glory to God, to bring praise to Him, and as we realize who has sent us, it's his authority, it's his plan, and it's his enabling through the, through, through the Holy Spirit, through his presence, through his walking with us as we, do, as we minister, then we are confident, we are at peace, we, we find rest, and we have the right motivation to go about and continue proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ to all nations. Where does it start? It starts right here. You know, in Acts chapter 1, it says, and Jesus says, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to all the ends of the earth. You know, if we were to compare this here, Jesus is saying, You will be my witnesses. Be my witnesses here. In Castro Valley, in the East Bay, in California, and to all the ends of the earth. Where does it start? It starts here. The question is, have you started? 
See, how can we expect to, to be witnesses of Jesus Christ in other countries if we're not being witnesses here? Do you understand? How many of you, how many of us um, have that right heart? When you see a loved one or a neighbor who isn't saved, do you have compassion on them? Just as Jesus Christ had compassion on them? I'll ask us to bow our heads and close our eyes. I'd like to finish in a word of prayer. And as we pray, my prayer is, dear church, that you will, uh, first of all, understand the condition of the lost people around us. That we, able, that we would be able to see them with the, kind, with the, the same heart, with the same eyes that's, that Jesus saw them. As we look upon the condition and realize that that Jesus is the, the one that, that will provide the, the, the need that is evident, that is so clear in these multitudes, that we must realize that we glorify and we praise God. We bring glory to his name as we obey uh, his command to go forth. And as we might be fearful, as we might be uh, in doubt, or unknowing of what the future may hold for us, we realize that it is under His authority, it is under His plan and His presence that we are going forth. And as we do so, we are confident in Him. Father, I just pray this morning that you would uh, allow us to be obedient to your word. Allow us, Father, to have the right motivation. Allow us to have the right heart the right eyes, Lord, to see the crowds that are perishing. Father, I pray that you would help Gateway, Father, as we endeavor to be obedient to your will, that you would help us to be, uh, find ways uh, that we might be able to fulfill your commission, Lord. Forgive us for many times uh, not being faithful in our witness to those around us. Help us, out, Father. Help us, Father, to be able to uh, just commit this work into your hands as we go forth and preach your word to those around us, Lord. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.